Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers. Today, we are diving into the world of agritourism with my guest, Megan Neubauer of Pure Land Farm in McKinley, Texas. From a background in biology and biotech to pioneering pick-your-own farming, Megan's journey offers invaluable insights into transforming local agriculture into a profitable, community-driven experience. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So how did you get started in the world of farming? Well, it was back in 2012, and I was looking for a change. I was working in scientific research, actually managing a pediatric oncology research lab at UT Southwestern Medical Center down here in Dallas. And my dad had recently retired from 40 years in petroleum engineering. And uh, more than anything, we wanted something to do together. Mm. And we really wanted something that would let us invest in land. Because DFW, the county that we're in, Collin County, is one of the fastest growing counties in the country. And it mm. just, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It has proven to be a great idea to have the land. But we wanted to uh, see what we could do with it also. Mm. We've always been into food, always been into gardening, cooking. We're just one of those families that's kind of food obsessed. Mm-hmm. So we said, let, let, let's see if we can grow food out here and make a living. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's what you started in 20. 20- 12. And then let's talk through those first couple of years. What was it like? Rough. (laughs) So we started off at the farmer's markets and, uh, you know, when you're first starting out, the biggest hurdle is growing, right? Mm -hmm. Figuring out how to grow. I I know that everybody complains that their particular area is especially difficult to grow in, but I, it might be true for us. I don't know. North Texas is real tricky. You kind of have a you have a, a very short spring, kind of a long fall, extremely hot summer, and a mm-hmm. winter that that does get to freezing several times, right? So it really took us a while, not just in the learning how to grow stuff, but making getting some fertility into this old pasture that nothing had been grown on in you know decades. Mm-hmm. So that that was the biggest challenge for the first couple of years. We would just go to farmers markets. We sold it about half a dozen over the first few years. And we just really struggled to bring home any money because, you know, we bought a tractor. So that's 600 bucks a month, right? To pay your note on that. Obviously the land and equipment, when you're starting out, you've got to buy everything, right? Yeah. Front, all the implements and all of that. So we just were never really able to take anything home. And it wasn't what I envisioned. So I had my daughter in 2014 and just having her and kind of stepping back and thinking like something really has to change dramatically for us to be able to do this and have it financially support us. We we never wanted to do it as a hobby. You know, it, it was a business. And if we, yeah. we, we couldn't figure out how two people working full time at it couldn't make enough money, but that was what we were facing. Mm-hmm. Well, you're also in a very challenging uh, part of the country to do vegetable farming as well. Yes, very much so. Yeah, Texas is hot, dry. You get lots of storms. Um, and as you said, you know, you've got the, the freezing and then there's the boiling hot summer. 
So yeah. Yeah. When it rains, it's going to rain six inches in an hour and a half and it's not going to rain again for four months. Right. So it's, it's very tricky. Yeah. All right. So you're doing farmers markets. And at that point, what crops were you growing? Well, we tried to grow kind of everything at first, which I think a lot of market gardeners do, right? We tried, mm-hmm. I mean, everything from corn to strawberries to um, onions and garlic and carrots. And and uh, we tried to just have as wide, you know, hoping lightning would strike somewhere and that would be the, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. Um, so we were really trying to grow as much as we could. And over time, we have really pared that all the way back to just... 12 or 13 crops now. Mm-hmm. All right. And so talk to me about like, um, when did you guys discover you pick? As we were coming out, as I was coming back to the farm full time, uh, my daughter was kind of reaching uh, preschool age, a couple of years old. We wanted to get her into a little preschool to start meeting other kids and doing all of that. Uh, we really wanted to figure out what could we put, we had kind of shrunk the size of the farm you know, we planted way too much at first. And I feel like a lot of farmers make this mistake as well. We planted way more than we could take care of because we're like more plants, more money, right? Mm -hmm. So we had kind of shrunk it back to what we knew we could sell at a market on the weekend or at two markets at the peak, right? So dad would go to one market, I would go to the other. We never wanted to be bigger than the two of us. It just, it, Mm -hmm. it still doesn't make sense to me when, and I know farms that do it, but it doesn't make sense to us to not be able to pay ourselves, but hire someone else. Mm. And I know that then you could grow more, but it just, it just doesn't make sense to us. We always wanted to keep it really small. And if it didn't work for the two of us, then it wouldn't work at all. Uh So we planted some blackberries and they're nice, improved, thornless, upright blackberries, big fat berries. Planted them and, you know, brambles are a long game. So a year goes by and we're like, oh, these are actually really nice. They're relatively low maintenance and they sold pretty well. You know, what we could do is plant a lot of them and let people come out and pick them. And then we'll take Mm. everything else to the market is what we figured. And there really weren't any you picks nearby. Nothing as close to, we're only 30 miles north of downtown Dallas. So it's basically suburbs the entire way now between Dallas and us. Yes. So we, we knew we'd be the closest. So we planted about 800 canes and decided that we would open that to you pick the next year. And it was, I mean, the first day, the first people who came in and saw the other crops were like, oh, oh my gosh, are those carrots? When do we get to pick that? Are those tomatoes? Mm. When are those ready? When do we get to pick those? When do we get to pick those? About everything else. And we were like, oh, just didn't occur to me you'd want to pick everything. Yeah. So we we really like it, took a step back and said, okay, this is what my customer is asking for very clearly. So, but it's a very different growing technique, a very different crop plan for Correct. you pick than for trying to take four seasons to the farmer's market. So that winter, we really just kind of shut everything down, cover cropped everything, figured out how, where we thought our picking season could be and what we could grow in that picking open picking season window and uh, planned it and went for it the next year. And we've just kind of built on it and refined it every year since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So you did the blackberries and you started. And so what, talk to us a little bit about for someone that's thinking about the, you pick how, how is your crop plan different for that? 
what works for us, what we have developed is that the crops that we want to have available all need to be within what we call like our picking season window. So that's when you're actually going to be open to guests. For us in our climate, that is mid-May through mid-July. So whatever I can grow that's in demand and makes enough money in that window that can be ready to harvest in that window, I will try. Mm -hmm. So anything that is earlier than that harvest window or later than that harvest window, we dropped. So you kind of have to work backwards and find varieties that work because a, a, a wide enough, you don't have to grow everything and people don't want everything. But you do have to, if you're not going to be a specialty crop like strawberries, like blackberries, peaches, these kinds of things that will get people to come out all by themselves, right? I don't know that you could have a U-Pick bell pepper farm. But for a diversified U-Pick, you want to present a wide enough variety that it's going to be worth it and appealing to people to come out. So we just kind of judge the crops that we grow well and that are in demand and that make enough money. And those are the ones that we plant. They have to be ready mm-hmm. at the right time. Gotcha. Cause if you have like radishes ready in February, you don't want people coming out just for radishes that probably won't be effective and it'll just be a waste of your time. Right. And I mean, the bigger, the biggest thing to me is that those radishes are taking up space that would have been better planted with tomatoes or something that would have been ready later, but make much more per foot. Right. So Mm -hmm. you want to plant the entire, the entire farm is planted at once, which is wild. If you're a kind of four season market gardener, it was very stressful to Mm -hmm. us to think about the sheer volume of food that was going to be ready all at once. And there is no plan B we only you pick. So it's a major mentality change to go from, okay, I got to get this crop out, put the cover in over there. Got to pull these rows over here for that. No, it's all in. We are done planting for the year at last frost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then with that, I'm so people come out and do when people come out for picking, do they pick a whole bunch of things typically at once? What's the average person coming out and experiencing? Our, Our average transaction is a little under 50 bucks which is up from about five bucks at the farmer's Mm -hmm. market. And we don't really put any parameters on it. So people can and do pick a single cherry tomato or 500 cherry tomatoes. I've, I've rung up 20 pound cherry tomato picks, right? You just really kind of never know, but it shakes out to around 50 bucks. Generally they pick a diversified basket. So they've got six, seven, eight things, depending on whatever is ready most of the time we found that people will pick things even if they don't know what they are, mm-hmm. right? Because they're there, they want to fully experience what you have. Um, they'll come up to the checkout and they'll hold up a beat and they're like, what is this? And yeah, what do I do I, with it? You know, And I just picked it. I just picked it. You have bought yeah. it. Congratulations. Let me tell you how to cook it and please enjoy it and come back and get another. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then with that, do you charge like a, a a flat rate for all your crops or every every crop a different price per pound? Every crop is a different price per pound. And we have gone back and forth and really kicked the tires on because I know that there are you picks that you get a bucket and it's three bucks a pound for whatever you chuck in it, right? But ultimately we have fallen on wanting to keep 
the crop separate, even though it does. The only downside is it slows you down at checkout. Right. Correct. Yeah. But what we gain from keeping the crop separate with their own prices is really, really precise production data. Uh-huh. So we can, I can just pull a QuickBooks report when everybody leaves. That tells me to the hundredths place how many pounds of cherry tomatoes were picked, squash, whatever, uh-huh. right? And that has been more valuable to us than um, speeding up the checkout. So yeah, it is a separate price. And then we charge admission. It's five bucks a head to get in as well. Okay. All right. Um, so like, what do you charge for tomatoes? Tomatoes are three bucks a pound, four for cherries. Really all of our pricing is aligned with what we used to charge at the farmer's market and kind of what, you know, that has risen with everyone else's farmer's market prices. But they are coming to you and they are picking the product. Correct. They're actually paying me to pick the product. Correct. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Even okay. better. Uh, yes. All right. So let's start. Let's let's move a little bit into logistics of this, because obviously I think for a lot of people, this may feel overwhelming. I'm assuming you have to have parking. Yes. So the property is 28 acres, but we use about an acre for parking and for tents. And then we have about two acres of annuals under production and be- between two and three acres of blackberries. Mm-hmm. So an acre is suitable for the parking. The thing that really has made the difference for us and I encourage people to do is use some kind of booking system, essentially a ticketing system. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So what we do is we target the what we think is the right number of people based on the amount of produce ready to harvest. And we've just gained that over years of experience at this point, right? And you're never going to get it perfect, yeah. uh-huh. but- We really want to judge our crop mix, what we call our crop mix, so that the first picker of the day and the last picker of the day have the same variety available to them to pick from, but that you're pretty picked out at the end of the day. So nobody wants to get there, you know, be the last person walking in the gate and there's only cherry tomatoes left and there's no zucchini and there's no cucumbers and there's no blackberries and anything else. Right. Yeah. So we try very hard to work our crop mix into having producing relative quantities to each other that we just built up over time that we know this is how many zucchinis plants it's going to take for them to get picked out at the same time. The cherry tomatoes get picked out at the same time. The cucumbers get picked out and so on. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you vary the amount of your planting based on over the years, what you've developed as your particular mix. Yes. Okay, very good. Because that's what makes a good experience. Yeah. Ultimately. So let's say with berries, do you offer containers for them to pick in like pints or quarts or how does that work? So we do offer containers. What we have found works well well with blackberries because they're among the tougher of the berries, I would say, is we'll do a plastic or compostable kind of bag liner inside a berry pail. And that way, you know, they open it like a trash bag, basically inside their little berry pail. And when they come up to check out, we can just lift the bag out onto the scale. They don't have to get handled any more than that. But for the vegetables, we use basic uh, plastic slatted double handle grocery baskets like you get at the grocery store. And that works great for dirt to fall right through. As long as the slats aren't so wide that like something too small can get through, they really work well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay. So, and then you offer chart $5 to get in 
And um, I'm just trying to think what other details here. And it looks like to me, like you stake up most of your crops. So there's a good picking experience. Yes, we do anywhere that we can make it easy for people to pick. You're going to have more picked, right? Mm -hmm. So like we had a year where we put in a bunch of tomatoes that we, we only grow determinate tomatoes because I want that crop to come off close together, right? I want them all at once. Yes. Uh, we had a year where we planted some that we allowed to sprawl and then others that we caged up and people are just not comfortable digging, right? When they can just see a tomato and reach in and grab it. Yeah. So we really want to make the picking experience as easy as possible. What we do is we will walk through the field and have a general sense of how many people we can take based on how fast things are growing, how fast things are ripening. And we'll say, okay, we can take 80 people per hour. So we'll use a booking app to put 80 spots on our website and anyone can book them. Um, for the weekend, they sell out really quickly. So we'll actually put like an opening time. Dad says we're like the Taylor Swift of you pick farming because we have to put a, an opening time for the tickets to go yeah. and they sell within 10 or 20 seconds. Uh, and people can book them there. And then we just use the back end of the app uh, for check-in. So when people actually arrive at the farm, they check in with my greeter by name. She ticks them off in the back end of the app and we can see exactly how many people have arrived for the hour. Uh, how many we have to go and so on. Yeah. So we only do, we do our picks. They're always three hours long and they're always in the morning because it's just too hot in Texas. So we'll do either eight, nine, 10 a.m. or nine, 10, 11 a.m. People do not have to leave after an hour, but generally people are done after about an hour. So my parking lot is really sized for that. Correct. I know how many people I'm expecting. I don't need fields and fields of parking. Because I know I should only have 35 cars every hour. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Corinna, one of the things you talk about is a gateway offer. Now, I know what ours is and our brand, but go ahead and share what that is. Well, I'll tell you, when we first started our farm business years ago, our gateway into our business was our very expensive $500 CSA share. And that was a bad idea. Mm. <laughs> We've learned the hard way that you can't ask someone to make their very first transaction be something that's super high ticket like that. And over the years, we've realized we want to remove the friction, right? We want to make it as easy as possible for someone to take that first step with us and buy from our farm. And so now what we tell people is, hey, just shop from our online store and buy our carrots, Right. So usually the gateway offer is something that, you know, everyone is going to love. It's a classic. It's a favorite. If you're like a meat farmer, it's probably ground beef. Like, what's the thing that's an easy sell? And something changes in the mind of the customer the very first time they spend money with you. You know, when they shift from just watching you on your social media or being on your list and now they actually buy from you, it's a lot easier to buy again after they've purchased the first time. So we want to make that first offer be really, really accessible. So thinking through what is my gateway offer, right? Where's the obvious place that people should start with my brand? And then we can issue them the next offer and then the next one and what makes you know sense to do next and so forth. 
Mm. And in our business, that is our strawberries. Um, you know, people come from all over the state. Actually, we had some people from Cleveland this year actually come to our for our strawberries, and that's a way for them to get started with buying from us for a low dollar. Although, even though our strawberries are a lot more expensive than other local ones, which I do think is important because I do think it mm-hmm. sets us apart. It does give us that little bit of not everyone's going to come, so we're still going to try to qualify that customer a little bit. Yeah. And then you can reach out to them because you probably capture their email address too, right? Then you can reach out to them and say, well, here's the next thing that we have. Mm-hmm. If you were interested in this, I think you'll be interested in this. And it's Absolutely. a lot easier to just move them up your product ladder. A lot of farmers don't realize that where you make your money in your business is, is often not on the very first thing you sell them, but on the the lifetime value of your customer, right? On all the other things they come back and buy again. And so we want to make sure that we have things in our product suite kind of in an order of operations so that we give them this gateway first, and then we have things to follow up behind. Absolutely. If you want more farm marketing tips like this, check out my top rated weekly show, the My Digital Farmer podcast. I teach marketing concepts and interview lots of farmers to find out what's working and not working in farm marketing to help you find more customers increase your sales, and build a strong brand for your farm. Look for the My Digital Farmer podcast on your favorite podcast app. And then uh, what what software do you use? Which specific one do you like? I have been through so many. And the one by far that fits my needs the best is called Ticket Taylor. They're actually out of the UK. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not the cheapest one, but it is super functional. They've even built features for us. They've been really great to work with. So we love Ticket Taylor. Yes, they uh, did a feature that we were looking for, which was bulk refunds. Because oh, sometimes that you literally, yes, yes. We had a couple of days, which we, the quality of the berries wasn't great enough. So we just refunded that day's tickets and I do it manually every single one at a time. And so, they, yes. So they built out the feature where we could just bulk, you know, the entire hour at once. Yes. The feature they built for us was a membership. So I saw that. Yes. Yes, we sell season passes now, which has been an amazing addition. So now all of our super fans and what was happening is that the the people that you were used to coming to the farm, really 2020 is kind of when the farm blew up because yeah. it was COVID. It happened to be a good growing season, which helped, uh, but no, there was nothing to do. Everything was closed and it was the safest possible thing to do is be outside and we made sure people stay you know wore masks mm-hmm. at checkout and all that but we we told everybody there's 28 acres spread out you could stay yes. six feet apart yes um and what was happening is that our regulars were getting beaten to tickets mm-hmm. by everybody else right so we created this season pass that i just kind of pre-sold you know under the table to my regulars that allows them to come anytime anytime we're open and we've built on that a little bit every year. We sold 300 this year. I'll sell 500 next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we probably should do for our strawberry picking. Um, yeah, and only and I would probably only sell like a certain amount because otherwise still the problem is, you know, if all of them show Absolutely. up once, then that could be a problem. Like if they all decide to show up on Saturday, that could be, a, we, we are, yeah, we, we only sell three days of tickets at a time. So, um, Okay. Interesting. Yes. Yes. We're very, very similar in that way. We only, we only put our tickets on sale three or four or five days out. I'll put my next weekday tickets on sale before I'll put my weekend 
Right. Because I know my weekend will sell out, but it, I'll give myself a few more days. I'll put those Tuesday and Wednesday tickets on sale before I put the Saturday and Sunday proceeding. But yes. with the season pass, you're ahead of the game to mention that because what we did is we tracked them. And that's something that Ticket Taylor and having the app has been great for it too, because I could run a report every day, uh-huh. see how many season passes came and when. Mm-hmm. Right away, we noticed that Saturday morning was by far, Saturday morning, first time slot was by far the most popular with yes. the season passers. So we sell almost no Saturday tickets anymore. We sell very few. So that I prioritize access to my regulars, but I haven't found it. It's not a problem any other day. Any other day, the crop mix can bear mm-hmm. a- additional season pass folks coming in. They pick better. Like season pass people are, you know, they're familiar with your farm already. It, they're very low maintenance. We just, I can't say enough about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, those are the people you want out there. Yes. How do you deal with problem people? So we really do not get very many. The problems I run into are generally of two kinds. Either the online problem people who are the ones who could not get a spot. Mm-hmm. And they're big, big mad that they couldn't get a spot before they filled up. And I just say there's really, I have made it as fair as I possibly can. If you try again, if you try a few times and you can't get, if it's your first time, then I say try again next weekend. But if you've tried a few times, I will let you sneak in if you're nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I put you on the list and let you in. If you're rude, then I'm just going to block you and move on. That's type one. Type two, the only problem that we really ever have had is people not feeling like there was enough of the one thing that they wanted to pick. Often that's blackberries because you just you can't predict how hard the berries are going to be picked before the last hour of the pick arrives, right? We've had days where people have picked, there have been 10, 14 pound blackberry picks multiple times. And, you know, somebody picking, eight people picking 14 pounds of berries each will really will really alter your berries yes. the rest of the day when you're only having a couple hundred people. So when it gets to the end of the day and there is not enough of whatever the thing is that someone wanted, we will say, come back on us and um, no admission. You don't need to book a spot. You don't need to do that fight again. Just come back, come anytime during the pick and uh, give it another try. Okay. Gotcha. So you've done that. Um, Have you ever had people come out, pick product and then kind of freak out that they picked so much? It does happen. And I think it happens more because people are not buying grocery store quantities. It's such a different experience, right? Yeah. When you're somebody goes out to the field and picks or has their kids with them and they pick, they each pick a three pound zucchini. Yes. You know, that that's going to end up being a lot. Those are two bucks a pound. That's going to end up being quite a lot of zucchini. It's not something that you can have a comparable experience with at the grocery store. Right. So generally we try to avoid sticker shock in that way with, um, you know, the average, we we really try to communicate the average zucchini is like this big. Mm -hmm. It's three big cherry tomatoes, uh, three big slicing tomatoes to a pound, a large onions, half a pound kind of thing to try to set that expectation. Mm -hmm. And we post the prices everywhere, but I could count on one hand 
the number of times we've had to just say like, okay, thank you. Just, you can just leave it and go. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. We had, uh, I don't think as much this year because, and I find what we do is we now in our email that tells them, okay, you booked your ticket. Here's what to expect. We now say you can fit approximately this many pounds, this many dollars in this container, this many pounds, this many dollars in this container. So they get, they know when they get to the field, if I fill this container, this is how much I'm going to spend. Exactly. So my greeter, when she sends them down to the berry field, this basket holds four pounds. The berries are $7 a pound. This will be $28 if you fill it to the brim. Boom. Okay. So it's clear. They can't mess that one up. Hopefully. (laughs) You know, they, we, it, it, it has been much less of a problem than we ever expected. One thing we did this year, because we had got to a point in the year where the berry quality was pretty poor, but there were still berries out there. We actually did a, I forget what we called it, but what it was, was they picked two pounds for us. They got one pound for free. Sure. Yeah. Almost a glean, but you're still getting some money. Correct. Well, what we did is we were basically going after seconds and we, we turned them into our slushies. Um, so it doesn't matter to us the quality Sorry. of them. But um, I think one family picked a hundred pounds. Oh my god! Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> you it will was get a couple. You will get a couple that will game it for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that meant that I think it was two. So we got sixty pounds, and I think I forget how many how many uh, quarts of puree that made, but it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. What we did at the end of the season when the berries were getting sunburnt was that we only we kind of did season pass only. Because gotcha. they understand they're going to pick around them. They still want the berries. They would rather we don't close completely. Right. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have not, we don't have a commercial kitchen. We don't do value added anything. We don't even have a building. We have gotcha. nothing out there. Yeah. A hundred year old barn. So all our entire revenue is admission and food. Mm-hmm. So seconds and stuff like we're just going to get what we get as long as we can get it and whatever is, we're not salvaging really anything. Gotcha. Yeah. What um, would you say your biggest marketing um, effective strategy is? What, where, how does that, where's the focus on your marketing strategy? Really the only marketing, we do no pay marketing. The only marketing we do is social media. So I, I make sure that I'm posting daily to the Instagram and Facebook. I started a TikTok this year, had got a few people from it. Um, but we've really built relationships mm-hmm. with people that are are really very strong now. And, and some people have been coming since that first season six years ago. So we've seen, you know, couples who used to come alone and then a pregnant belly the next year and then a little kid and then a little mm-hmm. kid and a pregnant belly the next year. You know, we've really become a part of so many families. Mm. And they tell their friends and it's really very much a community. There's only so many people that me and my dad can feed, right? Yeah. We don't need a million people. We do like between 5,000 and 7,500 people over an eight week picking season. That's excluding, you know, I, uh, how often season passes come. That's like single use visits. So yeah. Building relationships and showing the best possible experience for word of mouth is, I think, more than anything, the best marketing that we have found. And you actually said that about 24% of your season pass visitors never visited at all. Isn't that wild? So, and break 
breakage is common in every industry, right? Like retail outlets love breakage because for a gift card that you've sold, you've gotten the money and you didn't have to hand over the goods. It's different for us because I want to sell a season pass to someone who is going to use that season pass to to come and spend 50 bucks with me every week. Mm -hmm. So that 24% is not going on the pre-sale list next year. Interesting. yeah. They're not, they're going to have to fight everyone else for that. Cause now every year that my, and then I have my super user season passes too. We have one family who came out like 15 times. It's just okay. ridiculous. They're teachers. So they were out for the summer and it was just what they did yeah. almost every day. Uh, but we can identify those super users who are coming three, four, five times in the summer plus, mm-hmm. and really put our energy into making bonds with them right? Relational bonds, getting to know everybody's names, faces, kids' names, and making them feel like they're part of the farm and they're part of the family. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you could go back and start the farm over again, what would you do differently from the start? I would not have spent as much time in farmer's markets. I'll tell you that. I Mm -hmm. would not. Uh, and, And it's interesting because if we had started straight into pick your own. I don't know that we would have done everything the same way that we are now. We've really, we've done everything we've done as cheaply and not gone into debt, right? Like when we were market gardening, we were always like, man, we need a walk-in cooler. We need a wash and pack. We need mm-hmm. you know all mm-hmm. of this stuff that you we do not need for pick your own. We don't have any of that. We have yeah. tents and and scales. Like you just really the the barrier to entry as far as cost is very low. Um, so I would not have spent so much time at the farmers market, and I think I probably would have made some bad decisions in in terms of of buildings and uh, you know big debt we would have taken on. But all the farmers that I talk to now, I, we, we've really been trying to encourage people to, you know, add some of this. Just try a little, you know, try mm-hmm. a little you pick and see how it goes. But you, there are things that you have to have. You have to be close to town. You know, you really yeah. do. So I think that's a, a, one of the key points. You can't be in the middle of rural Utah and expect, you know, you get the the visits you do. You're you're within what is I think the metroplex where you are is what now thirteen million people. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. McKinney alone is two hundred thousand, and it's like it's building around us by the second. Like one of the top ten fastest growing counties in America is where the farm is. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so you've got a lot of people coming to you. Um, yeah, I think the Dayton Cincinnati Metroplex is probably over a million between the two. Um, I know, I know, we did the numbers. We have a million people within forty-five minutes of us. Oh, I so, think that's plenty. Yeah, yeah. And for strawberries, it has been. I mean, it's always it's interesting when I look yeah. at other other things. There's always just some, like we did. You pick beans and get a handful of people. Um, right. It can't yes. just be beans. Yes, it's got to be. I think that the, the success you're having is there's always there's fruit, and I think fruit is one of those things mm-hmm. that people will always come for. So we now have you know blackberries, raspberries, and blueberries planted, and so we'll start bringing those online this coming year, um, mm-hmm. and then hopefully they can do you know we may 
do some other UPIC crops too. Um, but I think, you know, our, our goal is to store and uh, we're adding a bakery and a kitchen. So that's going to be pretty um, busy as well. But I would encourage you to look at carrots because carrots are what are the most popular as far as, you know, a little kid is out in the field and when they pull a carrot out, the iPhone comes out immediately, immediately. So mom is taking a picture of that and that's going on Instagram. She's going to tag the farm and that's just free marketing for me. It's the carrot. Do you do any, you pick potatoes? No, no other root veg. Well, beets, but um, we, we do those under plastic mulch, multi-planted. Yeah, because I the only reason I say potatoes is that I I feel is one of the most fun things to pick ever. Yes, you get the you know basically you get gold rolling out of the ground. But yeah. I can see I can see the carrots too. So do you pre loosen the soil for the carrots, or do you hand them a pitchfork, or how does that work? We have had years where we had to pre loosen, but uh-huh. the last couple of years I think we have it finally kind of dialed in. I should knock on wood because. Next year, it won't be that way to where they, you know, we used a, a rain flow better, uh-huh. right? Plastic mulch layer. So it's in, it's in a nice loosened bed. And now we have enough organic matter in the soil that they will. And I figured out how to not sow them quite as thick as my instinct is to where oh, they, they okay. do come out pretty easily. So they're spaced a little further. Yeah. Face a little further apart. Good loose soil. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I broadcast yeah. just by feel. Yeah, we have an undercutter, so I think we could probably actually lift. And you can you mm-hmm. can undercut deep enough that you still kind of like it's almost like banking them mm-hmm. for storage, but it's easy to pull yes. tops. So I think we probably could do that pretty easily. Yeah, I'll have to try that. I mean, carrots is a pretty big crop for us, and I I think you're right. People would just go. Nuts oh, people love that. it. Yeah. Yes, and you, as long as you keep them pretty weed free. Mm-hmm. Because they they've got to be able to tell what thing to pull because they won't stay there mm-hmm. long if they can't tell what's grass and what's a carrot top they won't stay there long yeah. they'll move on they get frustrated and away they go mm-hmm. all right well what would you say to someone who's like you know maybe thinking about getting into farming or who is um, you know maybe frustrated and looking for something a little bit of a change I would say to definitely if you're in close to town. I would say within, you know, 30 miles or so seems to be the sweet spot, 30 to 40 miles. And you really like people because there's a lot of people management, at least the way that we do it. You know, you're wholly, solely responsible for hundreds of people's fun outing, Uh right? So you have to really care that they have a good time and want to show them a good time. And dad and I are both, you know, deeply um, hospitable in that way that we want people to have a good time with us, um, then I would highly encourage them to go the pick your own direction. And there are not a lot of resources out there on how to do it, which is why I wrote the book yes. so that it it's somewhere for people to be able to start. Cause I didn't want to write it. I wanted to buy this book six years ago because it is so different from the mentality of that four season Mm-hmm. market gardener and over presentations and stuff over the last couple of years going through the process of writing the book i've talked to so many farmers who and a lot of them are women and they say that agritourism is kind of a women's more of the a ladies field mm-hmm. but this is very much farming you know what the money that we make is directly tied to the yield that we're getting out of the ground you know we're very much uh, farming first I would talk to a lot of farmers at conferences and stuff after I give a presentation and they'd say, 
this is really exciting to me because I can't, I'm stuck. Mm. I can't figure out how to make enough money doing this. I'm doing the CSA. I'm doing the farmer's market. I'm going to three farmer's markets, whatever. I can't make it work. And that's exactly where dad and I were before we found and figured out how to do this. And, I mean, we're making three and four times what we ever made at farmer's markets and we're doing it. You know, we're open to the public for about two months and it's full-time farming for about five months for the two of us. And then beyond that, you're just taking off. We do other stuff. You know, I think yeah. it's particularly well-suited for, you could farm all year round. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you could you pick into the fall. I just, for us in Texas, it was hot until like last week. Okay. So I don't trust that we'll be able to get people out just the way our school year falls and the way our seasons work. Um, if you're somewhere that has a more hospitable climate, I think it might be better suited. But for us, I manage a nonprofit, you know, that gives me all the space I need in the summer to do this. Um, dad is retired, you know, so he's doing projects and he he's going to be at the farm pretty much no matter what. But I won't go back out there aside from a couple of days here and there again until end of February. Mm, okay. So it's well, it's well suited for somebody who yeah. has other skills and likes to do like grant writing, you know, yeah. whatever, anybody who could do other things. Absolutely. Yeah. Now tell us, remind us about the book. We've mentioned it, but tell us about the name of the book, when it's coming out, where can people buy it? So the book is called Pick Your Own Farming, Free Yourself from Farmers Markets and Join the Agritourism Revolution. And it was graciously published by Acres USA. You can, it's up for pre-order now. I believe it's out on December 4th and I'll be signing books at the EcoAg conference up in Covington the first week of December. But you can go to the website on Acres there and click on the Acres USA published authors. And it's it's a really practical guide. I wanted it to be very practical because you read a lot of books about farming that are very inspirational, but uh, you know, then you, you want to know how exactly can I put mm -hmm. this into use? today on my farm. So it, it's got a little bit of agritourism, you know, theory, but then it's very practical nuts and bolts on how we do what we do at Pure Land. Yeah. I mean, even to the point you've got sample emails and exactly what you tell people, which is super helpful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And is that the, is that's the conference you said December, that's going to be up there at the EcoAg conference? Yes. Yes. Eco oh. And that that literally is like 45 minutes from us. Oh, are you going? Uh I, I typically don't. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm pretty busy that week. But hey, if when you're in town, shoot me a text or something and we should catch up. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to hang out. Um, or bring you out to the farm and show you what we got going on up here. Yeah, I didn't realize you were doing so much UPEG. Yeah. And we actually just picked up seven acres. So um, we're leasing. So um, it's going to be a little bit challenging with the aspect of we will be eventually moving our strawberries over there, um, which means that we will be doing you pick not near our store, which I'm a little mm. hesitant about because that, again, is a big reason why yes. people, um, they spend the money with us because 50% of our strawberry season sales are not strawberries. But I think if in the field, we give samples of strawberry slushies, give samples mm -hmm. of strawberry shortcake and say, you have to go back to the farm to actually get this stuff. I think that should drive a majority of the people back. Yes, I, so, I think you can make that work. Yeah, so we'll have to get creative about that, but I'm more than 
confident that we can make it work. So, but well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on today, uh, Megan. And uh, thanks so much for hanging out, sharing your story. Excited about your book coming out. I will definitely be grabbing myself a copy because I'm sure there are going to be some tricks and tips uh, that I will gain from that. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.